Hello and welcome to Not For The Dinner Table. <laughs> How exciting. How we exciting. are back. We are back. I feel like I've not seen you for ages, David. Oh my gosh, we haven't seen each other for the longest time. I think it's been at least three weeks, which it is the longest time for us. Since our fabulous weekend. Oh yeah. There you so, go. Uh, Shall I introduce what the episode's called? Sorry, now? yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Our episode this week is called Oddities and Artifacts. Ooh. Ooh. And that's a little nod to what Dave was just about to start talking about, which was our fabulous weekend. Cheers. Cheers. With our friends from Oddity Files. The podcast. podcast. <laughs> Ooh, it's so fun. Oh, it was so great meeting them. It was Fabulous. Yeah. I literally had the best time. I was hanging out of my ass because I'd been on a hen do a couple of nights before. Well, no, the night before. Yeah. So I went down on the Saturday after seeing some friends in Tunbridge Wells and they invited us to come to a Walker Walking Dead convention called Walker Stalker, Walker didn't they? Walker Stalker. Which was also amazing. <sighs> Um, but I got there and it was really busy and I went over to Celeb Photo Ops, which is um, their company, and they looked really busy. So I sort of nervously took myself off to go and get a, a, like a drink. And then I could just hear this voice over the crowd. Of course. Ready. <laughs> Next. And I was like, I know whose voice that is. So I went and found DJ Jimmy. Wah, wah. <laughs> Love him. He's so lush. And I was like, you know when you um, have that moment where you're like walking towards someone and you're making eye contact and they sort of look at you and go, what are you doing? Yeah, like, and then you're what? looking at them going, oh God, I really hope that you are the person I think you are. Oh. And I was like, Jimmy, James? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, Dave. And I was like, yeah. Oh. So, and then we got to go into the photo ops. Um, I got to meet some of the characters from The Walking Dead. Which you got to amazing. work with them. I got to work with them because I was like, look, guys, if you need a hand, like, I'm happy to help out. And Kitsy gave me a top, which I still have, and oh, we'll post my little uniform. That. I was gutted I didn't get one. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> jealous. To um, Insta. But we just had the, like, the best time. And they were so, so welcoming and so kind. Yes. To, like... Definitely. Just... It was wonderful. It was like a once in a lifetime experience. Yeah. And then we just spent the Sunday evening having a drink and talking about all kinds of spooky goings on, which was absolutely awesome. It was really fun to sort of hear some of their stories and share some of our stories. So it was really lovely. And listen to Clayton and his house stories. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, Clayton and I bonded over our love of the amazing race, which was amazing. And he introduced me to this app called Marco Polo. And I haven't Marco Poloed him since. So maybe we'll Marco Polo him later oh yeah just that be would like, be fun we're marco poloing you now yes <laughs> all the time deal with it <laughs> <laughs> you so, should not have introduced dave to that app no but the oddity files guys have if you didn't guess a podcast like ours called oddity files the, the podcast, podcast which is great you can find it on wherever you can yeah. find not for the dinner table but we highly recommend it they release weekly episodes um they bring two stories each and they've got a real sort of dry snarky humor yeah, about them as well really which funny. is awesome but in addition to that they <gasps> are also ghost hunters they're tv superstars they are tv superstars and have their own tv show called oddity files which you can find on amazon prime so i if feel you... like we should say oddity files the TV show. Yes. <laughs> Oddity Files. The TV show. <laughs> That's and on Amazon Prime and it's bloody amazing. I was, we were talking to them about it, weren't we? And we were talking about the episode that I think's in Clayton's house where like you see this apparition sort of come it's out of the... Gary's house. Yeah. Out of the TV, is it? Yes. 
That was absolutely Weird. nuts. So nuts. So it was really cool to talk to them about ghost hunting and yeah. all of the tools that they use. And they have two series now. So they do not have just two one. Series. They've got two series on yeah. the TV show. Yes, absolutely. Which is fabulous. So go and check out the podcast. Go and check out the TV show. Uh, if you're listening to Not For The Dinner Table, I assure you, you will thoroughly enjoy Auditor yeah, Files. you will. And you even extended an invitation, didn't you, Soph? Did I? Oh, yes! <laughs> I was like, oh, God, was I really drunk? <laughs> no, of course I did. Yeah, I really, really, really want them to come and... Uh, do some investigating at my childhood home, Brain Court, which we did on the Christmas episode with my dad. Yes. Um, Because there's just so much creepy, weird shit that goes on there, uh, which I am totally used to because I'm there all the time. But, Mm. like, just talking to them about a couple of things that happened there, they were like, no way, it sounds amazing. So I'm fingers and toes and everything crossed that when they come back to the UK, they're going to come and come and stay at Brain Court and yes. spend a bit more time with us, which yeah. would be amazing as Absolutely. well, because it would be lovely to see them again. Indeed. So we hope that that happens. Yes. So thank you so much, Oddity Files, yes. and we hope to see you very, very soon. We can't thank you enough. We love and you guys. we love you so much. And I'm available for work. And I am too. <laughs> <laughs> I have my uniform ready and waiting. <laughs> I don't, but you can get me one. If you uh, have a QR code, you just need to make your way around to the table under the number 20 sign and you can get your tickets printed off. I was nailing you it. Were it. I couldn't believe it because when I got there, obviously I was in like a kind of hungover daze and you were like, these people kept wandering up to you and were like, what do I do with this? And kept giving you a piece of paper and you were like, um, excuse me, ma'am, if you just go back to the board and take a look at that and look at what line you're supposed to be in. I'm like, what are you saying? I do not understand. Yeah. We've, we've not announced uh, that photo op yet. So just keep an eye on the television and uh, we'll let you know. I've got a photo op with X and then I've got a photo op with Y. Like, what am I going to do? Uh, well, wait for them to be announced. Yeah, sort of <laughs> It was great. And even like... Like, the people that are not on the podcast that are with them were also lovely. Like, Chris, Kitsy's husband, yes, was amazing. He was lush. And Carter and yeah. Maddie. Maddie and was so nice. Everyone we met were... Their whole were, team are just yeah, delightful. Just a really great of group them. of people. So nice. So thank you. We're sorry that it's taken so long for us to <laughs> mention you after meeting you. Yeah. But we record very heavily in advance don't we, we? do so, well not anymore not anymore because we're all caught up now we're all caught which up. is making me quite nervous Dave. yeah i <laughs> feel like it's a bit like squeaky bum time yeah Ooh, <laughs> scary but i suppose as well that wasn't the only sort of podcast meetup in a sense that we've had you may have also heard us yeah. this week just gone which was week commencing what the 15th? Yeah. 14th, 15th? It was 15th. the 15th because it was Andy's birthday. Um, you may have heard us on the Rough Giraffe podcast Yay! with Stacey, Mum and Kipper. Stacey, Mum and Kipper. Yes. It was so nice to be asked to be a part of their second year anniversary. Well, cheers them again. Cheers to Rough Giraffe. Indeed. Happy we, two years. We obviously are a bit of an upmarket podcast according to Stacey and Mum having yes. Prosecco with We're our podcast. Very upmarket here, you know. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but um, just congratulations again. Happy birthday. Happy anniversary. We yeah. loved being a part of the show and thank you so much for including us. Yes, thank you for asking us to be a part of it. It was wonderful. Yes. And we thoroughly enjoyed recording it. Indeed. So it's been a really fun couple of weeks for podcasting yeah. for us. It has. It's been really fun. Yes. <gasps> so, Dave, yeah. have you got any news? I have some news. So do I. What? Yay! Well, We're full of it today. <laughs> Absolutely full of it. <laughs> We're usually full of something. <laughs> we are. So, shall we sing the jingle together? Okay. Okay. Do you know what song I've got in my head right now, though? What? Guess who isn't <laughs> coming to dinner? <laughs> Which is what we did for Rough Giraffe. It because is. I just we just spoke about it. Now it's in my head. Yeah. So now I need to do. No, no news, news is good news, but some news might be nice news. Not, not for the dinner, dinner table. table. News! 
So how many pieces of news have you got? Um, I have got three. What? I have two. Ooh. This might be an, well, just I a do, news shall episode. Shall I do one, then you do one, then I'll do yeah. one, you do one, then I'll do one. Okay, go. Okay. In episode 11, we mentioned Russian Bigfoot. And I said, North Carolina was a bit far down for a Russian Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't, it was in Russia. No, because you'd said it had been spotted in North Carolina. Oh, like, yeah, the that's statue. That's a bit far down. The yeah, the statue yeah. with the eyes. Um, I said that's a bit far down. Was it a bit far down? Yes and no. Oh. It's in North America on the right-hand side, just above Florida as you look at the map. Ah. So I would say more like northeast mm. welcome to not for the dinner table geography lessons <laughs> and i've got a map i'm gonna put it on insta uh, did andy <laughs> tell you to do this segment <laughs> no, is I he invading our podcast with geography but i'm not a complete lunatic <laughs> <laughs> good <laughs> but Thank now you. i feel like i'm making myself look like more of a lunatic no. trying to explain the the reasoning behind my thought pattern <laughs> Anyway, that's cleared that up. (laughs) Uh, So my first news segment is more strange rain. Oh, alien wee rain. Alien wee rain. (laughs) So in episode 11, you talked about strange things that have rained down from above. Well, we can add octopus, starfish and shrimp to that list. Yes. In 2018, a sea tornado or a water spout swept through Qingdao, China, carrying a rainstorm and also a multitude (gasps) of sea creatures which fell from the sky alongside the rain. It was termed seafood rain. Yay! (laughs) And we will post some of the pictures. There is literally one picture of an octopus. I've seen it on the on yeah. And then is there like a starfish on the windscreen or something? Yes. And like loads of shrimp on windscreen wipers. When I saw that octopus falling from the sky, I was like, Kitsy would not like that because she hates octopuses, doesn't she? Yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Over to you. Um, so, also in episode 11, you were talking about Yosemite and you said the word magma. 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 And I felt like I needed to say it like that and I couldn't remember where it was from. And it was from Dr. Evil in the film Austin Powers. Oh, yes. Magma. Magma. Yeah. Well So done. that's where that's from. Because it was driving me nuts. You know when you've got like a little thing in your head and you're like, what the fuck is that from? Mm. That's what it's from. Well done. Thank you. So in episode 12, we briefly talked about weird humming noises. Yes. (gasps) Oh no, we're saying that. I'm just going to go and turn the fish tank (laughs) off. (laughs) There we go. That was absolutely on purpose (laughs) to this point. Um, yes. You said that you heard weird humming. Yes. Uh, and we mentioned that it might be a phenomenon in cities. Like we'd heard that there were cities where these hums had happened. Yeah. Well, it turns out it's been happening closer to home than we thought. What? So on January the 19th, 2016, BBC News reported that Bristolians had been hearing on having problems with a hum... for the past fortnight and that no one could tell where the hum was coming from. So we've got a video. I'm going to try and edit in some of the noise from that video now. Okay. Outside now for a bit. I open the window. Show you. It's really strange. Listen.
it wasn't the first time that this has happened in Bristol. It was also reported and complaints were made in the 1970s of this strange hum. It is really eerie. And the guy in the video is like quite concerned by what he's hearing. It's almost like, it just sounds so weird. It sounds like... Can you hear it all over Bristol? Well, he was sort of at the top end, sort of Clifton-y way. That's what it looked like from Maybe his there's video. a troll underneath the suspension bridge. Maybe. <laughs> so a lot of experts said that it was put down to factory noise, but mm. when you hear it, you're like, no, that's not factory noise. But however, in 2015, yeah. so even before the hum was reported, scientists solved the conundrum, saying it was the effect of continuous waves causing the ocean floor to vibrate. What? Yeah. Which, again, I don't really understand, but it doesn't answer the question of why it only lasts for a period of time. Yeah. So it lasts for a couple of weeks and then stops. So we'll keep an eye out for more strange humming in Bristol. But... Let us I know. Knew that there if you was... live in Bristol, I know one of our listeners does live in Bristol. Yeah, Louise. Louise. Louise, if Have you're you on the bus, if you're on the bus and you've heard a hum, are you on the bus? Email us. Let us know whether yeah. you've heard that hum. Tell us. So that's all of my news. I've saved my best for last. Oh, girl. In episode twelve, yeah, we talked about weird weather. I couldn't remember. Whether I had dreamed it or seen it on Midsummer Murders. Oh my gosh, Paul McCartney. (laughs) Paul McCartney blowing the clouds away for his event. What do you think? I thought you were absolutely nuts. It's true. No way. It's fucking true. He didn't blow them away. But what he did do, or the SAV Entertainment's company arranged for three jets to streak across, I've actually written streak, across the sky, dumping vast quantities of ice, dry ice, not just ice, (laughs) dry ice over the clouds, the rain clouds, to freeze the rain clouds. It costs £20,000. And this, like, stops them from raining for, like, allegedly for a certain amount of time. Um, scientists say obviously it's totally unsupported so they don't know whether that's actually happening or not like whether it actually freezes the rain or whether it's just there's been no investigation into whether it works or not so they just shelled out 20 grand for a just in case you know like but Jeff Baker who is Paul McCartney's spokesman said but it was pissing it down beforehand and then it was beautiful sunshine was that an exclusive quote for not for the I dinner table? I put it in brackets. It was. Did you ring him up? I rang the Guardian. <laughs> the Guardian told me. <laughs> so you heard it here first, folks. Maybe not. Um, from the Guardian. Uh, that's where I got all that information from, by the way. Well done. I know. I love that it was true. I love that somewhere in your brain it. you were like... Because it's was weird, a... isn't it? Like, I would remember it if it's weird. That's so weird. Yeah. Well, well done, Paul McCartney, for freezing the rain. For £20,000. Well done. <laughs> Jerk. You absolute knob. <laughs> People have got ponchos. They'll put them on exactly. top. No one gives a shit about a bit of rain. Yeah, and you've probably contributed to global warming as well. Yeah. Ugh. <sighs> Anyway, that's the news. That's the not for the dinner that's table news. news. Yeah, we, we had loads. Loads, we? loads of news. We'll have well none done. next week. No, none. Absolutely none. <laughs> so, <gasps> the first half of the episode was oddities. The second half is artifacts. Ooh. So, I'm going first tonight, right? You are. Okay. Well, I'm going to be talking about a specific artifact. But when I started my research, I was just pondering across the internet as one does oh yes of an evening flipping through the pages a bourbon chilling on ice oh, to the side of me and copious windows of wikipedia were opened <laughs> before my eyes <laughs> dreamy yes what i'm setting the scene for everybody in a weirdly posh voice yeah you are <laughs> i have no idea what's <laughs> so okay. 
there were three artifacts that I'm not three artifacts <laughs> that I'm not covering in great detail that I wanted to touch mm-hmm. base with you because I thought they were really cool. Okay, fabulous. And I've got photos. So the first was a preserved loaf of bread from no. Pompeii. Oh wow! Yeah. So a loaf of bread made in the first century AD was discovered at Pompeii, preserved for centuries in volcanic ash of Mount Vesuvius. The markings that are visible on the top are made from a Roman bread stamp, which bakeries were required to use in order to mark the source of the loaves and prevent fraud. How crazy is that? That's amazing. I know. You can really see where it's obviously will answer this. Yeah. That's amazing. Fabulous. So the next one is a bit weird. Oh. But I thought it was just weird. Um, So it's a (laughs) jar of fermented moles. What? Yeah. Oh my God. So it's, the specimens are a European (laughs) mole called Talpa Europea, which is found in Britain and Europe. They inhabit deciduous woodland, grassland and farmland. And did you know that moles can tunnel through 20 metres of earth each day? Wow. Yeah. Not those moles, though. They are dead. Those are (laughs) dead moles. Poor little dead moles. (laughs) Poor little dead moles. That looks like it belongs in Little Dean Jail Museum. It absolutely does. And then the last one, I don't know whether you've heard of, is called the Roman dodecahedron no so this is a roman dodecahedron so more than a hundred of these strange objects are known to exist they've been found all throughout europe the dodecahedrons are usually made of bronze or stone and are usually about eight to ten centimeters in size archaeologists were perplexed by their use as no accounts or narratives seem to mention them in roman literature oh Some say they're a candlestick holder and others state that they may hold religious or cultural significance. Weird. Yeah, really weird. I think they, like, hold demons. Well, yeah, I think that they are... Do you remember when you moved to Bristol and I bought you that weird whistle? That was like a ball and it had like triangles Oh my on top. gosh, yes! So, and I was like, when you need me, just whistle the whistle. And it would go... Yeah, like with three, made like a like really three weird noises. That, it looks, maybe yeah. it's a whistle. Maybe, maybe it's, it's a whistle. A whistle. <laughs> I mean, you need a big pair of lips well, to blow on that. <laughs> big pair of Roman lips, along with your Roman nose, which we both sport. It is a well-known fact that I would look great on the side of a coin. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yes. I'm hearing you we'll right there. We'll have to like Insta profiles. <laughs> Definitely. For, um, Definitely. For this episode. So those are my three sort of artifacts that I found that I this liked the look of. But I'm going to be talking to you about the Gigas Codex. <gasps> yes. Oh, I've heard of a codex. Mm. So the Gigas Codex translates to the giant book. Oh. How <laughs> boring. <laughs> mm, it's not as exciting. No. I'm oh, sorry. Gigas Codex. Yeah. Giant book. But like... I'm going to use gigas a lot more. So, like, when I'm really hungover, I'm going to be like, I've got a gigas hangover. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, so, we have got gigas noses. Giga- <laughs> <laughs> we have gigas noses. Um, so, this is where it gets a bit more interesting. Okay. It's also known as the Devil's Bible. Ooh. Because of a full that page. That makes it sound much better. Yes. Because of a full-page depiction of the grotesque devil, which you may have seen. On page three. No, that's (laughs) Sam Fox. (laughs) Sorry, Uh, Sam Fox. What they mean? (laughs) It is the largest extant medieval illuminated manuscript in the world. Wow, I can't believe you just said that without, like, having to re-look at your name. I know. That was amazing. An illuminated manuscript, for those that don't know, is a manuscript in which the text is supplemented with such decoration 
as initials. Coloured in. Borders. Marginalia. And miniature illustrations. Ooh. Yes. It is 92 centimetres or 36 inches long. So it's nearly a metre long. Yeah. That's massive. That's massive. It's gigas. It's gigas. <laughs> it's gigas. It's gigas. It is gigas. <laughs> it's like that. It's like my board there. No, it's, it's, it's bigger than it's that. It's gigger than that. <laughs> Um, There is a legend around its creation, but we'll come to that in a moment. It was created in the early 13th century in the Benedictine Monastery of Poldezice in Bohemia. And I've probably murdered the Poldezice bit, but it's P-O-L-D-A-C... No, it's not. (laughs) P-O-L-D-A-Z-I-C-E. Oh. Yes. Which is a region in the modern-day Czech Republic. So Andrew may approve of this story. He will love it. And he's not here to interrupt. He's not. Can't open a can of beer. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Herman the Recluse was the monk that supposedly wrote the Bible. Oh. Because it is... Yeah, I've mentioned it's the Devil's Bible. Uh, The Codex is bound in wooden boards covered in leather... And the pages of the book are made of vellum and it's made of approximately 160 donkeys. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, poor donkey. I know. Why would you use donkeys? 160 donkeys. 160 donkeys died to make the Codex Gigas. Oh, do you know what? The whole time you've been talking, I'm like, can we go and see it? And then as soon as he said that, I was like, no. I don't want to see it. No. Because it's made of 160 donkeys. (laughs) No animals were harmed in the making of this Bible. (laughs) Um, It initially contained 320 pages, but some have been removed. It is unknown who removed the pages or what pages, what was on the pages. But it's rumoured that the missing pages contained the devil's prayer. Obviously. But it's more likely that they contain the monastic rules of the mm. Benedictines. It's oh. famed, as we've mentioned, for the full-page depiction of the devil, of which I have a photo. So that is the Codex Gigas. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, right? Yeah. And there is a picture of the devil, which we'll put on our wow. Instagram as well. So oh, poor donkeys. The page next to the devil is. Uh, depicting the kingdom of heaven, which gives the juxtaposition of good versus evil. And yes, I just used the word juxtaposition. A juxtaposition. You're welcome, Chloe Lancaster. (laughs) (laughs) That was just for you. Uh, The devil is truly grotesque. He's got a horned, scaly head with eyes that are too close together. Though some say that the scaly head is actually dense auburn curls. Mm. I've put my next point as never trust someone whose eyes are too close together. I know. It's talon-clawed hands and feet, which are red in colour, which are supposedly meant to represent blood. And he has two tongues that is poking out of his mouth. My favourite thing, Dave, is that you're acting out all of this. (laughs) I wish that I'd filmed it because you acted out all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No problem. Um, (laughs) Yeah, two tongues, fork-shaped, which is meant to be in association with serpents. He's got an ermine loincloth to hide his modesty, but suggesting his sovereignty, because obviously ermine cloths were bestowed on royalty. Right. One missing feature that you might have noticed is that there is no tail. Oh. So records in the Codex end in 1229. It was moved from monastery to monastery before it was taken to Prague in 1594 to form part of Emperor Rudolf's II's collection. It was taken by the Swedish army after the Thirty Years' War, and I've put in brackets, a war in Central Europe that claimed approximately 8 million lives. Wow. And one is, was one of the most destructive wars in history. That's nuts. 
yeah, I know. And I don't know much about no. the Thirty Years' War. I feel like I want to go and research that Sweet a bit task, more. Auntie. Oh, yeah. yeah. He could be like a guest speaker. Yeah, he'd tell you all about that. <laughs> it stayed in Sweden from 1649 to 2007. And since then, it's been loaned back to Prague from Sweden, but apparently only till 2008. So I think it's oh, back in Sweden so it's now. it's back in Sweden then. Yeah. Whilst in Sweden, interesting fact, in 1697, it was nearly destroyed in a fire, which claimed the library where it had been kept. It was saved by being (gasps) thrown out the window, crashing into a bystander and injuring them very badly. Oh my God, who threw it out the window? Like the curator? No one, because it got itself up and threw itself out the window. The devil threw it. The devil got out of it. The devil went down to Sweden. He was looking for the Codex <laughs> Gigas. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so, the legend yes. that surrounds the Codex Gigas, which is why it becomes a strange artefact. The legend goes like this. The scribe, Herman the Recluse, or the monk, broke his monastic vows and was sentenced to be walled up alive. In order to avoid his penalty, he promised to create in one night a book to glorify the monastery forever, including all human knowledge. Near midnight, he became sure that he would not complete his task, so he made a special prayer, not addressed to God, but to the fallen angel Lucifer, asking him for help to finish the book in exchange for his soul. (gasps) Oh, never a good idea. Nope, not today, Satan. The devil completed the manuscript on his behalf and the monk added the devil's picture out of gratitude for his aid. Yeah. But it also kind of reminds me of the Rumpelstiltskin story. Yeah. Where, like, she was spinning the golden thread. Yeah, and she wasn't going to finish. No. So I wonder whether that's where that came from. But what's a bit strange about this legend is that in tests to recreate the work... It's estimated that reproducing just only the calligraphy and not the illuminations or embellishments would have taken five years of non-stop writing. Oh, my God. Yeah. And uh, what are they called? What are, what are handwriting experts called? Cartographers. Uh, isn't that map people? Yes. That's map people. <laughs> I was so sure of myself then. I was so sure I got it right. I'm gutted. I just like that, calling them map people. <laughs> Isn't that them map people? Isn't that map people? <laughs> no, cartographers. <laughs> Lexicographers are just words in general. Susie Dent. Oh, I should have written it. I'm not writing oh, it down. Anyway, um, well, the people that study writing yes. claim that the whole book was written by the same person. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so, insane. Indeed. So, Wowie. was it created what, in even one all night? the illuminations and everything were all yep. done by the same person? All done by <gasps> the same person. And in one night. With the illuminations included, I think they claim that it would have taken around 30 years to complete. Whoa. So, either Herman the Recluse just did it, dedicated his life yeah. to writing the Codex Gigas, which then inadvertently, you know, destroyed a bystander's legs. <gasps> So well done, Herman. <laughs> oh, or Herman. he made a pact with the devil. Yeah. And the devil wrote the book. And then the devil crushed the guy's legs. Which, you know. Because he picked it picked it up and threw it out the window. Yeah, to save it. Yeah. So that's it. That's the Codex Gigas. That's amazing. Thank you. That was so good. Thanks. Well done. Thanks. That was like all those things I had no idea about. Thanks. Why do I just keep saying I don't know. Stop it. It's weird. Um, I'm sad about the donkeys, though. Yeah. Yeah. No donkeys were harmed in the making of this podcast. No, we love donkeys. We do. I've got a great photograph of a donkey eating my hair. I would love to have a donkey sanctuary, like, one day. Oh, yeah. That's where I was at when the donkey was eating my hair with the donkey sanctuary. (laughs) 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 On the Isle of Wight. Oh yeah, I'll put it on Insta. <laughs> Do <laughs> well, right, David. I'm going to talk about 
the crystal skulls. Ooh. Do you know anything about them? <laughs> Are you okay? I just dribbled. I was so oh, excited. Oh, no. I'm just having a little topper. Oh, yeah. Do I'll you uh, know anything about the crystal skulls, babe? Um, I obviously know the Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. And I know... Oh, there's been books about them that I've not read. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say you, no. I don't... Like, you, you've seen a picture of them. Yes. And yeah. I know they're ancient. And I know that archaeologists potentially don't understand how they were created. Yeah. So... End of knowledge. Um, Illuminate me. Ooh. <laughs> so, I will try. <laughs> I don't know what's going on now. Um, so, like, I just really find them fascinating. Mm. They're amazing, aren't they? Like, uh, like, how did they become? So I was like, right, I just want to delve a little bit deeper. Oh, my goodness. There is so much information. It's unreal about these skulls and contradicting stories and like you could read forever and still not know anything pretty much about them so i tried to just focus on one story yeah um so i shall just dive right in so (laughs) are you going from the high high board i'm going from the high board five meter ten meter high board the 10 metre one. I'm just going in. Splashing it in, I'm wading through those it. skulls. Hopefully no splash. No, you don't want splash. That's, you don't want a splash. Um, so they're believed to hold wisdom beyond our own understanding. The crystal skulls. So straight away I'm, I'm hooked. Yeah. For centuries they lay hidden in ancient Mesoamerican ruins. Ooh. Until... In 1924, in the ruined city of Belize, beneath the altar of a Mayan temple in Lubanatan, probably just completely carnage that name, Anna Hedges, daughter of Frederick Mitchell Hedges. Have you heard of him? No. So he was a great explorer and there's certain nods to him in Indiana Jones movies. So... Um, he's one of the people put forward to be an influencer of Indiana James, like the whole stories and everything. Do you know who I think don't get, you know, enough airtime? Who? Mediocre explorers. (laughs) (laughs) Ones that just find like, like a bit of Roman crockery. Oh, I could see the cogs. <laughs> I could see the cogs turning. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Mediocre explorers are just not there. Yeah. No. Anyway, he was a great explorer. What, what was Is it? there a scale? Like the Fujita scale? Oh my God, we need to make one. <laughs> we need to make one. Yeah. Um, so he's a great explorer. Yeah. Um, so beneath the altar of the Mayan temple... She found a, the skull, the crystal skull, the first ever crystal skull. Okay. But they then, daughter and father, didn't actually mention that they'd found the skull until 1931. Why? <laughs> well, this is all part of the conspiracy theory around <gasps> the crystal skulls. Are you going into a conspiracy theory? No. Oh. Girl. Maybe. Um, so in 1931, one came up for sale at Sotheby's, which we'll go into a bit later on. Um, so it's about nine inches long, five inches in height and width, and weighs about 12 pounds. It's 9.4 inches in diameter, and it's made from quartz crystal. Mm. So one piece of quartz crystal um it was rumored to cure diseases and tell the future how (laughs) (laughs) if you uh listeners could have just seen the look that sophie gave me when i asked that question i'm assuming that 
they have to like hold it, hold it, and be it. like in sync with it. Yeah, just meditate with it, maybe. Yeah, put it on their heads. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Anna even believed it gave her premonitions of JFK's assassination. I'm just going to tell you a little bit more about Anna. She gave interviews about the skull until her death in 2007 at the age of 100. Wow. Yeah. She allegedly... Uh, she alleged... Sorry. Blah, blah, blah. She <laughs> <laughs> alleged the skull could cause visions, cure cancer, and that she once used its magical properties to kill a man. What? Yeah. Amazing. I know. It even <laughs> <laughs> We need some like, crystal skulls. Oh, God, it's just ridiculous. And this is just literally scratching the surface of the crystal skulls. Do you think we could do a deep dive? Definitely. A hundred percent. This is like, literally, I've just been scrawling around, getting the information that I can. Every time I look for information on this story, it changes, like stuff changes. There's Ooh. no like set thing um so obviously even it even inspired the 2008 indiana jones movie the kingdom of the crystal skulls is that 11 years old that movie yes how fucking nuts is that gosh of course it is because i was in the states what did you think of it well i went to go and see it i was living with a guy called trevor at the time oh trev oh trevor son trevor Trevanosaurus Rex, we used oh. to call him, because he did a great Velociraptor impression. So he was, like, super stoked. I think he even maybe went in, like, cosplay to Love go and it. see it. And also with my friend Catherine, who you've yeah. met. And um, she was also a big... Indiana Jones yeah. fan. And Are I was, you? I, you lo- like it? I love, 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 like, the classics. So, like, Temple of Doom... Um, what's the other one? I really love them so much I can't even friggin' remember. Uh, Andy Ark loves of, them. Ark of, Ark of the Covenant. Is that what it's Ark. called? Don't know. Ark of something. We've got them. We've got them all like right there. Yeah, we have. Andy's We've got like all of them. In love if, with they're, them. if they're on the telly, like whenever they're on the telly, Christmas, I'll watch it. New Year, you've got to watch, watch them. But Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out. So we went, like to it, wa- did you? we went to watch it. Can tell by your demeanour. Well, <laughs> what can I say? And I and I knew how I felt about it. Yeah. I was with two sort of hardcore, hardcore Indiana, Indiana James. James fans. So I was like, I'm yeah. just going to keep this to myself because, you know, they're probably going to love it. And so we left the cinema and I was like, oh, you know, that was good, wasn't it, guys? And they both were like... It was fucking shit. Oh, no. Yeah. I just think they tried but to do But do you know what? The thing that I think is that Indiana Jones has always been a bit slapstick. There was... Well, no, there was a bit of that. For me, I think it was the ending. No, the that's end- what I mean. Like, the whole thing was very slapstick, I think. Like, it was really... They tried to make it too... Well, he survived a nuclear bomb in a freaking fridge, didn't he? <laughs> to begin with let's talk about that let's talk about that shall we i just think ladies and gentlemen make sure that your fridges are clear when the sirens go off because that's all you need to do darlings yeah up in your fridge get in your fridge i'll be like matt you go in the freezer i'll go in the fridge i'll take monty with me turn them off yeah what a joke (laughs) i think that's where it lost me anyway anyway do continue we're gonna lose the thread of this in a minute okay Uh, So, the crystal skull that we've been talking about, um, which is called the Mitchell, uh, Frederick Mitchell Hutchins skull, um, it was last owned in 2007 by Bill Homan, who is Anna's husband. Um, And then again, I was looking for information, couldn't find any about what it's doing now, but then had a quick look the other day and actually found some and he's still got it and he's got a website with lots of information about their beliefs about the crystal skull and that Anna maintained to her on her deathbed that she found that skull underneath this temple like underneath this altar in this temple 
Um, so pre-Columbian cultures are thought to have used the skulls for healing and psychic abilities. Some even believed they were used to gain power over death. So like Anna was saying, she used it to kill somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Joshua Shaparo is an ex an, a supernatural expert and has written a lot about the skulls. He and others like him believe the skulls are some kind of organic computer which can record and manipulate the world's energy. What do you think about that, Dave? I can't even comprehend <coughs> that. Excuse me, sorry. Away from the microphone. Oh, dear. <laughs> I so, okay. So it's like Captain Planet. Yeah. He's a hero. <laughs> Gonna take pollution down, down to, to zero. zero. <laughs> <laughs> when your powers combine... I'm the crystal skull. You can't not do it, can you? No. Um, We're the planeteers. Stop it. Stop it now. <laughs> you are throwing me right off course of this. And I have put I'm my sorry. little heart and soul into this. I'm loving it. it. Um, if that's the case, the skulls are like the fountain of knowledge and contain the history of the universe. So how many are there? I'm coming to that. Oh, sure. Now I'm moving on to sceptics. Skeksis. Skeksis. In the 1990s, Jane McLaren Walsh from the Smithsonian did examine... <laughs> I love that you're swearing. <laughs> Fuck you, Jane. Here she comes. <laughs> Old Jane McLaren she Walsh. She wanted to examine the skull. Pissing on everyone's party. The skulls were, were examined, obviously, when they came to light, but there was not a lot of scientific equipment like there is nowadays so in 1990 she re-examined mm -hmm. the crystal skull and using modern scanning techniques she discovered modern tools had been used to carve the skull also a paranormal skeptic called joe nickel even refuted the, the skull saying it was made in the 19th century in europe saying that during imperialism, the Western world was obsessed with ancient artefacts. So a lot of them were made during that time for collectors of Mayan culture, etc. Back to Jane. Uh, she actually couldn't pinpoint <laughs> the origins of the skull, though. Well, can I just say... Yes. If they were created by an advanced civilization yeah. and gifted to the Maya, yeah. then of course they're going to be created with advanced tools. A hundred percent, yeah. So that's what I, I was thinking, because when I was reading that about Jane and a bloody modern technology was used, like, I'm thinking, like, well, we built the fucking pyramids, like... Exactly. How do you modern, know what you don't know what modern tools they you don't know what tools they had. So no. how can how can you say that was made by like a modern Exactly. Unless you're it's making... a Phillips head screwdriver, I'm not believing it, Jane. Yeah, unless you're coming to me and telling me that they used a black and decker yeah, to make exactly. that crystal skull, you can bore off Jane. Yeah. Because I tell you what, Jane, look over there. <laughs> There's the Great Wall of China. Jane, look over there. There's the pyramids of Bloody Giza. Exactly. Jane, look over there. There's Machu fucking Picchu. <laughs> Explain that, Jane. What tools, Explain it away, Jane. What tools did they use to make that wall where it's so interlocked that they still can't explain it to that day, Jane? Huh? Come on, Jane. Give us your best shot, Jane. Yeah. What was that? Bloody Black and Decker as well, was it, Jane? <laughs> Bore off, Jane. Where did that come where? from? Where? Bloody hell, Jane. Sorry. Too much Prosecco. I know. So, Dave, we may ap we actually may never know where they are from. Until the aliens return. <laughs> <laughs> People, to this day, are still trying to figure out the true meaning of the skulls. And according... Yes? Is Jane still trying to... No, Jane's done that. We're done with Jane. <laughs> Jane's she working in B&Q. <laughs> Jane's got to work for Black and Decker. <laughs> She's sponsored by Black and Decker. <laughs> right. Sorry. Let's reset. People 
skeptical to this day are still trying to figure out the true meaning of the skulls. And according to legend, that may only be revealed on Doomsday. Across Mexico and America, 13 skulls of any note have been discovered. And some believed that when these skulls are reunited, only they will have the power to save the world from a catastrophic event. This <laughs> this story exists across other American cultures such as Cherokee, Navajo, and Aztecs. So it's not just with the Mayan culture here. I'm living for We're this. We're talking like a lot of Southern American cultures, mm. Northern American cultures are all in their history have got um, stories of 13 crystal skulls that come together to save us from the motherfucking apocalypse. (sighs) Why did you do that? I don't know. (laughs) It just seems like the right time. Um, Well. um, I have a roundup, but I'm so, like, hyped up about it. Right. And I've already done it. I feel like we need to just just, go and find the skulls. Let me just finish. Let me just finish. I've already said it, but I'm going to say it again because I'm I'm excited now. So, Dave, are the skulls here to save us from the apocalypse? Question mark. And does this mean the real skulls are still out there? I. End of podcast. Yeah. Drop the mic. I'm not even doing nothing else. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. It's fucking nuts, isn't it? Like, I just... Uh, and like I said to you before, that is scratching the surface. Like, I, I kept looking and looking and looking for a static story. Yeah. Particularly but... about that skull, because there's a lot about that one. Excuse me, I'm burping because I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the problem is, is that every single thing that you look at, YouTube videos, websites, Wikipedia, everything, those are the three things that I use, everything, um, they all are different. Every single story that you read is totally different. Yeah. Like, they say different things about where Anna found it or, like... Um, where it is now, even where it is now, like I've seen a couple of things that say that that skull is in the Smithsonian in Washington with Jane, and it's not. It's not there. Where is it? With it's with um, Simon. Was no, his name Simon? What's his name Bill. 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 Oh my gosh. Common. Yeah. Well, watch this space, people. And also, Anna lived to be a hundred. Yeah. And she killed a bitch. (laughs) She killed a bitch. (laughs) She was not having it. Isn't that nice? I want to do more on the crystal skulls. Yeah, we do need to because it is is really, really interesting. I'm like the Codex Who. (laughs) I'm really glad that I've done one that you thoroughly enjoyed. I loved that. I absolutely loved that. Well done. Good. Well done. I'm so pleased. So before we go, Soph. Yes, David. We have a listener's leftovers. No. Yep. Listener's leftovers. How exciting. Yes. So this comes to us from friend of the show, mm. Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. So, sorry for the delay. Well. Oh. It was early January 1999 or 1998. I was on holiday in Tenerife. We were staying in an apartment in Playa de las Americas. Classy, I know. Yeah, very classy. We went for a walk along the front, basically a really long paved walkway along the seafront, which back then stretched quite a long way, at least a few kilometres. We went along to a different part of town for dinner and then afterwards found a beach, not far from where we had eaten and not far from Las Americas. 
It was a small beach with lots of sunbeds slash parasols, typical of all the beaches around there. You can imagine, can't you? Yes. It was sandy, of course. Oh, oh no, it? sorry. It was a... <laughs> what a day! It was sandy. It was a sandy beach in a bay or cove, which the path led to and then carried on from. We were sitting on a sunbed just talking, looking at the night sky, which was very clear and very starry, less light, light pollution. There were other people around, but it wasn't massively busy and it was about 10.30 to 11pm. We were just talking when I saw a light in the sky. It's hard to gauge distance, but it looked far away, i.e. not something in the sky close to us. There wasn't anything extraordinary about the light. It was white in colour and could have been an aeroplane or some kind of aircraft in the distance. What I thought was unusual about the light, and this is why I still don't know what it was, was how it moved. So not like an aeroplane following a particular path and moving across the sky slowly at a set pace as you would expect, but it moved quickly one way and then quickly again the other. I just kept watching it until it seemed to go away. I couldn't see it anymore. Then it came back, still in the same movement, and then it went and we kept watching to see if it would come back. This probably only lasted a matter of minutes. I pointed it out to my boyfriend and he saw it too. We wondered what it was and talked about what it could be. I didn't feel scared necessarily, but it made me feel a bit unsettled because of the way it moved. I'd never seen something move in that way in the sky before and I haven't since. I've mentioned it to people since it happened, but not recently, to be honest. I'd forgotten about it over the years. Some people said that military operations and testing is quite common in that part of the world and I wonder if it has something to do with that. I couldn't really make out the shape of anything other than the light because it was night and far away. I still don't know what it was and there may be perfectly reasonable there may be sorry a perfectly reasonable explanation for it. If you want to ask me questions, please do. I was 21 at the time, so I've had to stretch back in my mind to remember. Well and done, Linz. Well done, Linz. And I can't remember some details, but I definitely can remember what I saw. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work, Aww, Lindsay. Thanks, Lindsay. How cool is that? That's amazing. UFO listener story. I love that we've had a UFO one. Yeah. So good. <gasps> I love a UFO. But like, isn't that... Like what you saw. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly but mine, the same. Well, mine was have going... We, we've, yes. Have we talked about that on here? Yeah, absolutely. Have we? Yeah. Because I think we did a... No, we have. Paranormal Week one. No, we have. Oh. We have talked about at least the first sighting. Okay. At but, least the first one. I've been abducted. <laughs> Not really. So, yeah. Oh, well done, Lindsay. Yeah. Thanks for sending that in. So... Listeners, after six months of releasing episodes, for the first time, ladies and gentlemen, our outro is going to be delivered by the wonderful... I think I've done it before, but I just got it wrong. Sophie, take, take it away. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell a friend. Stop it. Sorry. And subscribe and leave us a review. You can follow us on Twitter at NFTDT, on Instagram at NotForThe underscore Dinner Table, on Facebook at NotForTheDinnerTable, email us at NotForTheDinnerTable at gmail.com. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts. The podcast is produced and written by us, Sophie and David. Our logo was created by Kaylee. See more of her work on Instagram at kcreatesdesigns. And our music is by Blacksmith. And you can find their work on Audio Jungle. Fuck me. That was
was all right, wasn't it? That was really good. Yay! All I would add is that we gave you our email address so that you can send us your listeners' leftovers. Yes, we did. Or get in touch. So do send us your listeners' leftovers. We love reading love them so and hearing much. them and we respond to you guys as well this isn't just sort of a duff mailbox where we don't get no. back in touch we'll get back in touch with a personal email to everyone yes i will <laughs> <laughs> so that's it Soph. that was fabulous i thoroughly enjoyed that yeah. and we haven't podcasted for at least three weeks so it was well overdue Absolutely. we're now going to get our little diaries out and schedule Doing in some everything planning. And listeners, remember, everyone's welcome at our dinner table. Except. Except. Hang on. Where is she? Where is she? I've got to get her name right. Jane McLaren Walsh from the Smithsonian. She's a gigas bitch. She's a gigas bitch. Gigas (laughs) gigas skeptic. Skexy. She's a Giga Skexy. She's a Giga Skexy. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Just say bye. Bye.